Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We're Lana Mercedes. And we're the Onion Peelers. Okay, so today we're going to be discussing... Mercedes, you have really nice teeth. I think I've told you that before, but... Oh my God, really? Nah. I really like your teeth. Especially these ones, still chipped from when I bump it with a fork. (laughs) Anyways. But thank you. You're welcome. Okay. All right, so... That was a little moment of distraction for you. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, so we've started doing this weekly philosophy chats. And this week we thought we would talk about the, the clashes. Which is what we talked about last week uh, with the Mysore students. Yes, that's right. And we spent the whole week uh, discussing and kind of unpeeling them. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, the clashes. Maybe we should start by kind of discussing how the clashes are described or translated in different... Yeah. What are they? What, what? are these things called the clashes? <laughs> Well, I think also because if you didn't already listen to our last uh, little chat, we chatted about obstacles to practice or progress in our practice. And really, if we just consider practice as right, the, our, uh, the process of self-inquiry, things that, yeah, of course, now Buster's playing. Again, you may hear some piano accompaniment <laughs> and some some uh, uh, frustration cursing. with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so anyways, the the obstacles that we talked about last week um, are specifically obstacles are to our practice and what keeps us from progressing in our practice, and those were called antarayas. Um, so there were nine of them, and now last week yeah, we talked about the kleshas. <clears throat> which very often they're also translated as uh, obstacles yeah but these obstacles are standing on the way of us realizing who we are yes in our essence exactly. uh, and of course kind of in practice also but it's mainly the obstacles towards the soul we could say yeah um, but often they're also translated in many other ways uh, sometimes they're called the roots of suffering, right? Yeah. Um, one that I like is colorings, oh, like the, the five colorings. colorings. Yeah, I think in Dutch they they translate it like that, the five clearing. For clearing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I also once I don't remember if it was in a Spanish book, but I've also I think I I read something like the five veils. Yes, yeah, I've heard that as well. Yeah, I think that's a nice one. Yeah. Um, because it's like the obstacle is something really, yeah, like concise, and this is more like the illusory. What keeps us in Maya? Right? Yes, what keeps us in not being able to see clearly. Yes. What other translations are there? I don't know, I've always heard them referred to as well. They're what causes the cloudiness in water like if you're looking through a pool of water to the Mm -hmm. bottom and and there are pebbles on the bottom but you can't see that because the water is cloudy or lots of ripples right they're what's causing the cloudiness or the ripples Mm -hmm. are the vritis 
but that's really caused by the kleshas, right? So it's yeah. like the cloud. Well, it's more like the movement of the water is the vritis, and the cloudiness of the water is the kleshas. kleshas yeah. Yes. Um, impediments. Impediments. Yeah. Afflictions. Afflictions. Sure. I can't think of any other. I just think of obstacles, but. Yeah, I like the veils. I think. I, like I think that's uh, yeah. Let's talk about it. But first, Lana, are you ready to peel this onion? Mercedes, let's peel this onion. Great. Let's get to the juicy, sweet, silver spicy onion core on the of inside. the onion. Those were my favorite, by the way. I'm sure you, Mercedes and I, have very similar weird eating habits when we were children. <laughs> Silver ouches? Silver ouches. Yes. Those little cocktail onions? Yes, to the max, to the max. Give me jars and I'll just drink them, eat them, finish them and start them all over again. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) And then finish it off with a side of canned corn. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so back to the kleshas. So let's present the mother klesha. Avidya is the breeding ground for all other afflictions. And apparently it comes in a few different flavors as well. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, like you can have a vidya that is um, dormant. Like I think these are the kleshas really that they come in different flavors. Yeah. And probably different different flavors and different intensities exactly that's it that is that's, true yeah yes because they can be very strong yeah they can be subtle or they can be more subtle so the first one is avidya mm-hmm. and avidya is often translated as ignorance yeah any other translations that we could share illusion i think illusion yeah. this is all coming from the yoga sutras of patanjali um so when Patanjali says ignorance, what do you think he he really meant? That he's that we then mistake the seer for the seen. Yeah. Yeah. That's generally the yogic philosophy way of. Yeah, he didn't mean that you need to go back to school and read more books. No. Well, well I'm sure. I'm sure it, that I mean, I'm sure that reading more books will help you realize this truth eventually i'm sure yes. it won't uh, hurt reading a few books no it is one plus of the, he was a scholar one of the paths of yoga right yes is to absolutely the scholarly study yeah. and he does mention svadhyaya and uh, in the sutras which no. is uh, studying the scriptures so but yeah not knowing who you are yeah and i think what you said too like the misperception not being able to see that we are all one and the same that yes. we are all connected we are all made of stardust mm, yeah we are all arising from the same matter the same blood things that make up our blood and our cells that is the same for everyone right all living beings and even the plants and yeah. everything is we made go back up of to the same place and we come from the same place. Yeah. yeah. So not being able to see that which connects us all, mm-hmm. I think, is also a nice way of seeing it. Yeah. 
But I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing is misperception. Like not, like last week we talked about one of the obstacles being the stories that we tell ourselves, Mm -hmm. uh, that we either make stories up in our head about ourselves or these misperceptions and the stories that we tell. I think it has a big, it's a big part of this. Well, I mean, in a way, absolutely. The clashes are, is not being able to see things as they are, but we see those things as we are or we feel. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe also labeling ourselves, like we label ourselves as certain things, as having certain roles, as opposed to being able to see the inherent beauty of our how we are who we are at our core as opposed to the roles that we fulfill in life yeah the field of the clashes the mothership of the clashes then uh, it's avidia yeah it's the state of misperception right the inability to separate ourselves from our thoughts right that we can't make distance between the things that we think and who we are that we see them as the same, that we mistake them as the same thing. Okay, so from this state of misperception, then... Uh... Yeah, like that can show up in a couple different ways. So we can mistake... Uh, well, like a, like I was just saying, that we mistake ourselves for our thoughts. Yeah. When thoughts are something that are impermanent, right? They're constantly in flux. So it's kind of this idea of mistaking what's impermanent for something that's permanent. Um, or mistaking something that's impure for what's pure. I have a little trouble with that one because what is that? That I feel like that's the same thing as impermanent and permanent. Yeah, I know this is a tricky one. It's like I guess like because the soul is pure, and then maybe I don't know. We get stuck with our body, which is impure, or yeah, I don't know. Anybody out there have a? Um, have an answer to that one I mean I think it's also an interpretation from somebody but the other ones I can get like the idea that we can mistake pain for pleasure absolutely that's an easy one and that we can mistake the non-self for the self absolutely yes but the impure for the pure I don't know yeah I don't know that seems to me like um this idea of what is what is pure a little bit religious or yeah and also who's got this purity barometer yeah and then pureness seems like in the same sense in the yogic sense that is purusha Mm -hmm. that is like the all pervading consciousness consciousness yeah that is within us all so that seems like so what then, is pure. So then what is impure? Everything else? Does Edwin One say per- anything about that? Let's see. So this is what um, Edwin, Edwin Bryant says. And he also poses the question, what does Patanjali intend by saying uh, it is unclean, in quotes? And we were talking about pure. So he's using the word unclean instead of pure. Uh, impure. So there's a scholar, this is this is directly quoting Edwin Bryant, a scholar Vyasa quotes a verse 
the learned consider this body to be uncleaned on account of its location, origin, sustenance, excretions, death, and the continual need to keep it clean. Good point. <laughs> we actually. do always need to keep it clean. That makes us unclean. Okay. Obviously, this is like a type of a view of the body. So specifically, impurity is referring to the body. Uh, Edwin Bryant then um, continues to say, Ayurveda depicts the body as a complex combination of substances, mm -hmm. datus, that need to be kept in appropriate balance. Let's see what else he says. Okay. Uh, and then ascetics see the body as a rather, <laughs> and this is a quote, from Edwin Bryant's book, a rather unpleasant bag of obnoxious substances. Wow, that's a nice wow. way of putting it. Wow. So Bryant says, kind of in response to this question of what does Patanjali intend by saying it is unclean, and we're talking about the body now. So Bryant says, in reality, as the cliche goes, beauty is skin deep. And a beautiful body is just a bag of bodily fluids and organs which can be unpleasant and repulsive when taken out of their natural biological context. Thus, part of Patanjali's definition of ignorance in this sutra is that in the unclean or impure, there is an illusion of purity or beauty. Mm. That's lovely. But despite such surface-level attractions, all in all, any body is in reality a sack of potentially rather embarrassing substances. <laughs> Its real nature is evidenced by the need to constantly clean it. And Patanjali will later refer to the practice of cleanliness, essentially an act of removing the discharges and excretions of the body as a catalyst that, if performed with the goals of yoga and mind, can lead to dispelling any erotic fantasies about the reality mm -hmm. of the body. So, Realization of the nature of body becomes more vivid during old age and at death. Nobody wants to linger around a decomposing body. Fair enough. I mean... You know, I think it's important that he gives opposites for us to grasp the idea. Yeah. I don't think he was saying, like, all bodies are disgusting. But in a way, yeah, when you put it like that, the soul is completely pure. And, yeah. Yeah. I guess the body is not always so pure. And it's true. I mean... No, it's not. I mean, it's not. It's, it's just part of living. But I think also it's a perception, I think that's also part of it, right? The perception of, like, yes, like that Edwin we tend says, to look at it as purity yeah. or impure. The way that, that we're describing this as beauty, that, that I think that's where I get into the trap too, because, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't see the body as impure. I, I think. Or maybe he means, like, I don't know, if you see maybe like a body that is really dirty or, I don't know, decaying, whatever. But inside, there's purity. Like, we're all special. Yeah. Well, there's we're a, all... And there's beauty we're in all the decomposition part of, Exactly, well. yeah. Beauty in the aging process. But we tend to perceive it as something perhaps gross and impure. Yeah, yeah so maybe Because uh, we're not able to see the purity in everything. Yeah. So maybe that's why he... But yeah, he can get a little sticky, which I guess with all... Oh, We're getting some cat love. Okay, so okay. that was kind of like a tough corner to turn. Now we peel that a little bit. No, that poop is out of the... <laughs> out of the 
So um, the intestines. <laughs> it, so what does avidia make? What is what like what what happens, or maybe what is an example? Like what's an example in your life? Can you think of? I mean, avidia shows up. I think for. I don't know. What I think is interesting is that some, without giving specifics perhaps, but I think what is interesting is that if I look at the different states of avidya, like some things can be dormant or some things are interrupted, blah, 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 that if I look at um, look at my life and kind of the path that I have been on in the practice of yoga, on this path of yoga, and on the path of kind of self-inquiry, even if I think from when I was really young, I had a lot of questions about, you know, what is life and all that kind of stuff. If I kind of look back, um, then I realize how the kleshas or how certain things like uh, avidya, how ignorance about certain things can be go from a really active state and you can put it into a dormant state that you can make things less uh, or you can put them in a weakened state. That's the really beautiful thing about yoga practice is that mm-hmm. you get to see where you're being ignorant, where you're not seeing clearly, and then you get to see that pattern arise and arise and arise and the, the cyclical form of it. And that once you kind of catch that, then you can start to break that cycle. So something that is really dominant can be interrupted. And then from the interrupted can be kind of placed in a really weakened state so that it has less and less of a hold on you. I don't know. I think of like my certain thought patterns that I have certain thought patterns that um, have been like a constant in my life. Like the, I was talking about it this morning, um, in the Mysore chat that there are, there are things that, that I think the judgmental voice that can really come up that I've always called the asshole that it can come up. And now the voice that Um, I hear in response to the judgmental voice isn't a second judgmental voice because there's always the asshole and then there was the the judge of the asshole so there's like multiple judging going on in my head but now it's like a really loving voice that is actually sounds like my own voice that comes in and like recognizes that something is there or that a certain voice or a judgment is there and says okay, Lana, like, let's return to whatever you were doing. That's just, that's just the asshole or that's just the judgment. Yeah. So like a kinder voice. Yeah. 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 So that those other voices really have a much weak, much more weakened state now and that they're much more interrupted. They don't, they're yeah, not dominant. It's, it's kind of like, um, it's like, I don't know, for myself, I mean, I think some of the voices are still there, very much so, but they used to kind of drive the vehicle at super high speed. And now they're kind of like these unfriendly people that show up every so often. And sometimes maybe they're a lot more, like they're a lot closer. Yeah. But just like you said, I think I think we are so lucky that we have this practice that really 
gives us the opportunity to yeah really catch these patterns on hopefully on time so that you can work with them and through them yeah and uh, well ideally get rid of them but even if you don't get rid of them fully then at least you know they're there and that's yeah. such a great that's already so amazing yeah because it's like pause just like you said you know take a moment rather than go and judge it right away it's like okay I'm having this this part in is showing up again in my life or yeah or I'm having this reaction or, or I'm having this reaction yeah I, I think I used to tell myself you're not good enough you're not enough like thousands of times a day and now it's like 100 times a day. and now it's like 250 I know, exactly. yeah. <laughs> but hey you know it's if I'm honest, it used to really have a much stronger grip in my life. I yeah. mean, it still is there very strongly. But yeah. um, if I look back to maybe 10 years ago, I cry a lot less. That's already really good. <laughs> I used to cry all the time. You can ask my friend Kelly. Um, yeah. And I guess we all have these clashes, you know, it's like how many times we say, um, I don't know, oh, I wish that. Yeah. Or what a bummer that. Yeah. That's because we have these expectations and these, yeah, yeah these projections of how things should be. Yeah. As opposed exactly. to let them be as they need to be. Yeah. And just like you said, you know, we need to, we need to have these experiences. Like even the clashes also need to be there. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a good uh, segue for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. The next one being Asmita. Or, uh, right, ego, ego-focusedness. <laughs> Which is so funny because everybody is so in fashion to, like, hate the ego, right? Yeah. Everybody's like... Or like my boyfriend Martin says, your ego is not your amigo. <laughs> your ego is not your amigo. It's nice. But, uh, I mean, poor ego, we do need an ego. Yeah. Because without this form that makes Mercedes and without this form that makes Lana, then your Purusha would never be set free and connected mm. to the highest Purusha. So, yeah, we do need a bit we of We do I-ness, need so. this vehicle yeah to experience i think we also life yeah and also to have the desire to move on the path of yoga right i without ego i don't think that we would do that because then we wouldn't have a desire to improve ourselves right or to do anything yeah. yes i like um i i uh when i was little i had to um friends and they're twins Smita and Sukmani and uh, Smita is Smita came to visit you a few years ago no that was Sumitra ah that was Sumitra okay Sumitra. no sorry I'm confusing so people Smita, Smita and Sukmani Smita is a common um, girl's name in India and it means uh, to expand or to blossom or blossoming is oh that's herb. so beautiful so asmita, the prefix a, uh, is usually a negative, like it negates what comes for, before it, or it turns the word into the opposite like word. Like avidya, yeah. like not knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Klishta, a, klishta. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I re- so I really like that smita is this idea of blossoming, expanding. So then asmita would be that those things which uh, contract us or bring us into something small, mm-hmm. which is selfishness, right? So yes. It's like, a, yeah. Instead of expansion, yourself. how do you say? Uh, yeah. Retraction. Retraction. Yeah, contraction. That's a nice one. Of course, I think anything can go in in extremes but um i think uh that when right often we have this idea that or the idea of me versus not me right playing the victim or also i think vic- playing the victim is a big ego thing uh, it's like when think when the ego gets out of balance yeah like this strong ego maybe the strong wheel ego because i mean we we need a name we need an identity i mean yeah, yeah. Just like you can't experience about. life if you don't have these things. Yeah. You need to develop your taste for things so that you can also discover who you are, what you're good yeah. at. Yeah. But I think then in the really contracted state of asmita, the klesha of asmita, then yeah. we are stuck in the mine. Yeah. The non-sharing state. In right? the terrible two or the it's terrible exactly. three. Yeah. So what it is the terrible twos? It's like, it's mine. No, it's mine. Well, that is interesting. That's what we were discussing uh, last week as well, that uh, I can't remember where I read or heard this, but apparently as babies, we we don't feel the separation between us and the rest, especially, I guess, with your mom. Um, but, yeah, once we get into the two or three years old, then then the drama begins. Then it's me, I, mine. Yeah. I like, I want, I yeah. don't want. Yeah. And it's it's funny because it's it's a very well, that's why you call it the terrible twos, right? Because it's a big turning point yeah. for the little human being. It's kind of like, oh, I discovered this thing. Actually I, I am separated from everything else and yeah. I do have control over what I want, I don't want. Yes, it becomes a very big period of manipulation, I think. <laughs> oh, poor which, parents out there. Which continues into the, well into the uh, the early 20s. <laughs> <laughs> Until the early 40s even. <laughs> yes. I guess it's the ego that does not take into account, just like you say, other people. Yeah. Uh, or consequences of things. Yeah. Like the blinded ego, maybe. Maybe that's yeah. a nice way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice way. I think also it kind of leads us, because you just said this idea of mine, not mine, or, you know, possession, possessiveness, and yeah. um, then also figuring out what we like. So, like, attachment to things also develops then as well, that we, we start to understand uh, this I like this this gives me pleasure or attachment to people you're peeling that onion very well Lana because this skin of the onion is going to take us to the next peel oh yeah what is the peel called the next one we are going to be talking about the ragas right yeah because exactly just like you said is we we start to develop these likes and dislikes yeah and that's when the next klesha comes up rises Attachment, which reminds me of a silly joke that went the rounds back in the day when I was in teacher training, which was, um, what does a Buddhist vacuum cleaner look like? <laughs> oh my God, I don't know. It has no attachments. 
<laughs> oh my god, it's so bad. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> so yeah, Raga is, is the vacuum cleaner with a lot of attachments. With a lot of attachments. Which it's funny because I have a vacuum cleaner. There's a bag hanging in my closet that has a just crap loads of, of little, little attachments. attachments. I never use the, them. No. No. <laughs> it's like you just need the one. That's the non the non uh, yogic <laughs> Buddhist uh, vacuum cleaner. I guess is is going after things. Yeah. Uh, that we're attracted to those things that protect and enhance our individualized existence. Right? The, also that thing that makes us I or me uh, maybe becoming attached to those things that we identify. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, incorrectly because of avidya as we identify as those being necessary to make us who we are yeah i was just about to say i think maybe like a good example of ragas would be um if we're looking constantly for validation or or for attention or 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 the physical body that we maybe had in our 20s yes and then constantly doing whatever we can to remain in that body of a 20-something. Yeah. Whether, I mean, that can show up in so many forms, right? Yeah. I don't know, buying things to make you feel good. Injecting your face with stuff. <laughs> I'm laughing because my brother is a plastic surgeon, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those ragas are keeping my brother in business. In business, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely. What What else? Um, yeah, attachment and dependence on people and relationships that we can see people as necessary to our existence almost. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I can't live looking without this for, person. Looking for social media followers. Yeah. Um, I need to have that piece of chocolate right now. Yeah, attachment to food and uh, if I don't have a if I don't get a new pair of shoes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need to be with this person otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because they can be very existential, but they can also be kind of like mundane things. But yeah. still, you're stuck in this process of if I don't have that next, if I don't have this, if I don't have that next relationship, wine, the next relationship, next posture. Yeah. Next surgery. Next posture. Yeah. Or if my Marishasana D doesn't look exactly like it, it did on Monday. two days ago when <laughs> yes. it was amazing. Yeah. But yeah, then the- again, you tap into something which I think is also important to mention because also we do need a little bit of raga. Yeah. Right? Because it's, it's like, okay, you start to develop your sense of identity and then... You start to understand what you like. And then, of course, you're going to go for that because you're passionate about it. Yeah. But I think it's about keeping this distance between... I think there's... I don't know, like... 
you going after something that you love or you're passionate about doesn't necessarily yeah. make it a raga if it's not having a grip on you. No, exactly. I think there's a really nice... Um, somebody wrote this, I think it was on a blog that I read somewhere, and uh, unfortunately I didn't write down who wrote it. So if you're listening and you know who wrote it or you are the person who wrote it, um, I will come back and give you credit for it. But I did not say this. I, I like the way that they put it. They said that... Um, we want to hold something with open hands instead of closed fists. Oh. Or clenched fists. Beautiful. Yeah. That's it. I think that's that describes it. Yes. Yeah, that we do need yeah, we need we need some form of attachment for growth. Because also we I mean of course we will experience pleasurable things in life. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with feeling ple- pleasure, but it's yeah, that's a good one. It's like can we experience these things, be in the moment, fully present, whether if it's I don't know, a moment of joy or a moment of sadness and then let them go. Yeah. And then move on to the next thing without hanging into them like our lives depend, depend on, on it. it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. So then, what is the other side of the coin? The coin that would be dvesha, dvesha, or aversion, right? Avoidance. Dvesha. It's usually like things that we dislike. When this whole period of forming things that we like, and then mm-hmm. there are things that we dislike. No, I don't like. I'm not gonna eat my veggie. Yeah. My veggies. <laughs> That's definitely a big aversion. Big aversion. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I will not. I will not do. And sometimes it becomes. Uh, kind of generalized it's like if i if we you're because you're talking about vegetables i do not like peas therefore i do not like any green <laughs> vegetable i Absolutely. will not try any green vegetable because i don't like it yeah or no i never eat this yeah i it always makes me so sad when people say that yeah i mean of course as as an ex-ballet dancer and also coming from a pretty much Italian family I love food Um, so when people say I don't like that I never eat that it's just it's so sad (laughs) have an open mind eat it it. maybe maybe the way you tried it a few years ago wasn't so nice Mm. try now this is also another problem of the ragas and the dveshas that if you get so stuck in this like I like I don't like world you miss out on some great opportunities yeah if you always have the same dish yeah. Yeah. Hey, why not trying something new? Well, then your palate will never grow, which I think is, you know, is a big thing with this whole aversion thing. It keeps us in our comfort zone as opposed to letting us step outside of it. Yeah. And if we don't step outside of the comfort zone, then we don't grow. Which I mean, sure that's fine if you don't want growth, but if you are on the path of and you are on this path of self-inquiry and becoming a better human, a better person, a better part of the world, a better, better you. Um, then, yeah, there there does need to be growth, and a lot of it is uncomfortable. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, evolution. Yeah. That being said, that is also the beauty of the Ashtanga practice. Oh, right? now like, that's a good point. Yes. I know I had a, a student one time, they really wanted to come try Mysore. <clears throat> and they hadn't really practiced much of Ashtanga. I think they kind of gave the 
impression that they did know some. Mm-hmm. So they came to a Mysore uh, practice in the morning, and I brought her through the fundamentals and through closing postures because she was already familiar with quite a bit. And uh, at the end, I, I, uh, she moved into Shishasana, headstand, and then she just started. Do, she went into like Pinchamayarasana and started like moving her <laughs> legs all around and doing all sorts of things. So, uh, anyways, of course, I stopped her, and then uh, I was like, just, just uh, headstand. You know, we don't need to do anything else. And then after, after that, she said, "Yeah, I don't think I'll come back because." <laughs> After one day, yeah, because I really wanted, I really want to do, and my body really wants to do these other things, mm. and so this practice is too rigid. Your body or your ragas, yeah, exactly. uh, want to do that. So, hey, you know, this, the practice is not for everybody, but Absolutely. the one thing about it is, you do it this way, you don't get to skip a posture. Like you have to do everything, you. You have to do Johnny Shishasana A, but crap, you also have to do B <laughs> yeah. and C. Oh man, that B. It sucks. <laughs> I really, it's so funny. There's a couple of postures in the primary series which are like um, Purvottanasa and Janu B that I'm like, oh, even yeah. after all these years, I'm like, yeah. every time I'm like, ah, oh, trying to find some pleasure in the posture, I don't know, some... I don't know, something to enjoy. And I'm like, eh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, B funny. B is a... I think it's because my QL is so tight and I always feel it in that posture. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's, you know, no matter how I put my heel on my perineum, I'm always going to smush my lady bits just a little bit. <laughs> Hold so. I'm like, mm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Funny. But in all seriousness, indeed, I think that is such a beautiful strength of the practice of Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga that you really have to do the ones that you like and the ones that you really don't like. Yeah. And give the same amount of attention and love and breath. So that's really powerful. Yeah. Because it really gives you the opportunity again to kind of catch these patterns on yeah, time. Exactly. Which, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that in many other systems... Of course, uh, you know, you have the same opportunity, but I think it takes a little bit longer. You have to be a very kind of developed practitioner to be able to have that kind of discipline and, and self-reflection. Yeah. yeah, I think a ballet class. Uh, in ballet class, would you... You also have to do all of the crap that you don't like. Yes, actually, yeah, that's that's a good point. I think that's why a lot of dancers do actually really... Um, get the Ashtanga practice in that sense because we already have this discipline discipline of, of not choosing yeah. what you have to do yeah you're uh, just told what you have to yeah, do yeah you're told you or, or you're hit <laughs> yeah exactly so that you do well they don't hit ballet teachers don't hit anymore but hey they used to in, mm. back in the day um, and I think yeah and I think nowadays especially with this big boom of uh, yoga it gets a little bit dangerous and sticky because very often you hear like move however feels good or yeah listen to your body and this is a whole another but this is a this whole is other chapter what we're gonna do and also the perception that pleasure is good and pain is bad i think that's a misperception that's a very good one 
Yeah, I mean, we should have an open heart for both and give them the and same pain space. Is part of life. Yeah. But the, maybe that's an interesting point because uh, Patanjali is talking about suffering. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about pain. No. Indeed, because pain is part of life. But suffering, suffering is self-imposed. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, pain can also be self-imposed. Yes, exactly. Definitely. But then that would be more suffering than pain. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a good distinction to make. Or maybe maybe we should also say that, right, perception that pleasure is good and that discomfort is bad or... Uh, or that like is good, dislike is bad. I mean, of course, you don't want to be in discomfort your whole life, but... No, but also, like, for example, we were talking about change. Always, yeah. whatever you're changing, even changing house is uncomfortable. As yeah. you know, Lana has to move in just one week. Yeah. And it's going to be for the better. You're moving yeah. to a beautiful house, bigger, everything yeah. awesome. But, but it is it is a pain to... But, and also the process of knowing that it was very stressful it caused me yeah and also some suffering and also when you move into the house i'm sure that the first few nights you know you're not gonna sleep perfectly well it's 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 part of the process yeah so yes it's um interesting so this idea of like pain and pleasure and like dislike it also um kind of leads to the last klesha, which is uh, right fear of dying or clinging to life, often translated to as clinging to life. Abhinavesha, fear of what, fear of loss, which is also kind of a form, it's a form of attachment. Yeah, it's kind of like fear of losing all these experiences. Yeah. Fear of losing life as we know it. As we understand it. Yeah. Because if we uh, look at the yoga philosophy, then of course, life as we know it will cease, but then life will continue. Yeah. And then the next form will arise. So in yogic philosophy, we have this klesha abhinavesha because of our past lives, right? So then we, we understand the pain of dying and that is what we are f- afraid of then that the only because we've experienced death before yeah or the transition uh, of losing yeah losing the life that we had because we are because we've lived lives because we we have lost it before yeah so we know the pain of loss and yeah that makes us wary of losing it again so we cling to it yeah i think no living being is ever like how do you say open to dying yeah right yeah i don't know i mean wanting to die is something different it's well like no wanted to die but i mean mindset but like prepared to die that's exactly what i mean like um, prepare for death yeah but uh I know that we kind of touched up on this uh, last week, but then do you think like all beings, this is including animals and little flies and... Well, that's because I, I think oh, we were talking about the difference between clinging to life and the instinct to fight for survival and that this is different than 
that instinct. Yes, but in a way, I mean, if we have lived many lives before, so did the animals. Yeah, yeah. So there is there is an imprint there of of dying before, whether if it was as a fly, as a human, as a tiger. Yeah. So then, in a way, the you could take this klesha as merely instinct, and of course, also you can go a little bit deeper into perhaps fear of not having control or yeah. I wonder what uh, Mister Edwin Edwin says about. The tendency of clinging to life affects even the wise. It is an inherent tendency. Tendency, Synonym for fear of death. Given the yoga position indicated in the last verse that dvesha, aversion, like raga, attachment, is the product of memory, how can this innate fear of death be accounted for unless all creatures have latent recollections of previous deaths? Such experiences are embedded in the citta in the form of samskaras or mental imprints that subconsciously cause creatures to avoid death. These samskaras underlie the clinging to life of all creatures noted in the sutra. This seems to be a form of long-standing argument offered by most Hindu sects in defense of the existence of the soul, that instinctive memories in the newborn and indeed any type of memories whatsoever require a pre-existing substratum or soul on which to initially uh, inhere... I don't know what that word it means, or find their support. So basically anything with a soul. Yeah, so then even in this, because I've heard interpret interpretations saying that instinct is not necessarily part of it, but then, yeah, where does that instinct come from? That instinct, those animals also have... Have lived other, yeah. other lives. Have experienced death in previous lives, yeah. But I think this klesha, I mean, maybe this is a little bit of an open interpretation. You could also, yeah, maybe take it as fear of things changing or losing control. Yeah. Uh, fear of, yeah, I think that's just part of fear of loss, losing something that, yeah. and then that's also attachment, right? Attachment to, like yeah, then maybe, the then body. maybe go more, they, they, then instead of Abhinivesha, then they go more to Ragas and Tvesha. Fear of death is a very natural thing, right? Nobody yeah. wants to lose a loved one. Yeah. A partner. Yeah. Yeah, that's a biggie. Yeah. But the good news is, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, that if we get rid of the mother klesha, then all the others disappear with it. Yeah. So if we just realize that we are all perfect as we are and connected to the greater cosmic stardust. And that we are all eternal. Yes. So if we don't meet each other in this life anymore, we'll meet each other in the next life. Yeah. And all those vrittis that keep us in the karmic cycle fall away. Yeah. Avidya. What a bastard. <laughs> so we need to work to get vidya. Yeah. Yeah. Knowledge. Knowledge. Indeed. Well, that was uh, that was quite a that was quite a big onion to peel. That was kind of like a heavy onion. Uh, yeah. Funny. We thought, oh, just a few minutes. Yeah. But uh, no, that was a big one. 
So hopefully you didn't fall asleep. Let us know if you have any questions, any comments, any insights. And uh, also if you have any other suggestions on uh, suggestions on for us on what topic to discuss yeah. in the future. We love all topics. Um, and uh, yeah, take care out there. Again, keep 1.5 meter distance away from each other. Yes. Eat lots of onions. That's a good way of encouraging that. <laughs> yes, to keep the distance, you mean? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that will definitely help with social distancing. It will help with social distancing and the grossness of your body. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>